Welcome to the Grey Wolf Podcast. We are back for episode two of Talking Hoops. It is Ned, John, and Traith Boys back here to talk all things NBA this week. John, first up, how are you, man? Yeah, really good, dude. Very pumped up after episode one. It was a uh, good release, I thought, actually, listening back to our good self. And Traith has the guns out this week, so I don't know if that's a good or a bad sign. But, um, no, and of course, we've updated the uh, the presentation as well in the background, filling the hoops. Of course, the NBA is not far away, but, uh, yeah, keen to get stuck in again, man. Yeah, and you're talking about the man. The sun's out, the guns are out. Traith Leffler. Man, if you've got it flaunted, I guess, bro, show us that Philly jersey. Yeah, mate, you say it, you say it. Not sure if you can see from here, it's a Ben Simmons jersey. He's repping yeah. Ben Simmons. He's, as we discussed on last week's episode, big time Ben Simmons fan. And I just said to you guys a little bit off air there, I'm not sure if you heard the latest rumor. Fill us in. No, neither of you. Atlanta Hawks is the latest one Ooh. I've heard, John, and it made me think, oh. wow. Johnny Fitzgerald's boys, would you like to see him on that Atlanta core? No. <laughs> no. Oh, you've got to think, though, that would be a great fit. Defensively, Ben would cover so many holes for Atlanta. Yeah, I, I agree with his uh, perimeter defense, but, like, whose minutes is he going to take would be my concern. And we know he wants to be the number one guy. I don't know how he'd go with yeah. Trey Young. So I'm saying no <laughs> for a firm one. There you go. Well, it would have been a nice unity between you two boys there. You'd have something to bond over your Atlanta Hawks as Trace jumps ship to join John. But oh, no, I can't be an Atlanta fan after they eliminated us. Sorry. Yeah, well, you really, you'd be, yeah, there you go. It's an interesting topic. But today we're going to sort of rewind things back big time here, Trace. So this really will sort of test your knowledge for the old school that we're talking about. Not your 2016 old school. We're talking back in the early 2000s and even further beyond two big topics on one big show we're going to talk about the malice in the palace and also the great debate as we discussed lebron versus mj how would you like to kick things off will we talk the malice in the palace johnny yeah let's do the malice in the palace because it's a fascinating topic and i think we'll label it as part one of the uh, mj versus there we go. MJ's sitting next to me right here. The MJ versus LeBron debate. I think it's a two-on-one, so it's going to be an interesting interesting debate, I think, and definitely one that we'll revisit as the podcast sort of uh, goes through the season. Yeah, well, I don't think we could even beat Traith two-on-one physically, so it's luckily we're sort of well apart here in our separate studios. So two-on-one, he'll be like, I'm happy with those odds. But yeah, I'm sort of, I put up the Jordan jersey here because I am very much team Jordan, but I was checking out some stats and stuff today, and I think Traithful has some interesting points, but let's get into the malice in the palace first up. This happened back in 2004, reigning NBA champions, the Detroit Pistons, baby, playing against the Indiana Pacers. And, well, John, what went down here, man? Like, do you remember where you were and what happened? I remember because this was sort of before the days of where we'd stream it on Foxtel or we'd, you know, be able to look yeah. at Twitter and watch all the replays. Like we had to get home and sort of watch this on the news, so to speak. And back in 2004, so the 19th of November, 04, I was a massive nerd with like your NBA Live and those sorts of games. So I'd go on the forums and whatnot, you know, after school and read about these sorts of things. So you're sort of hearing all these, like what's happened at the palace. There's a fight. There's police were called. The fans are involved. Like it was a huge ordeal at the time. And of course, Nettie being a Detroit Pistons, 
Titans fan, you sort of would have, would have uh, had your opinions on it all. And of course, the uh, Untold series on Netflix did a special about it not too long ago, which we've all checked out and sort of seen a few different sides to the story just about. And uh, we're talking off air about it as well. It's uh, an interesting piece of NBA history and, and it's kind of made, makes it more interesting kind of having a, a bit of context around it. Yeah, most definitely does, man. And before we get any further into it, I we were already getting a little bit heated off air there, John. And I do agree with some of your opinions. But, Trace, what you probably would have been very, very young. 2004, how old were you, man? Yeah, 2004. I was quite literally four. So still in... Still watching Bob the Builder and watching cartoons on TV, sitting with mum and dad. <laughs> it is hard to imagine you being four years old there, Trath, because you are a very old soul, my friend. But you've seen Thank the you. documentary now. What what were your takes on it? Well, it was it was very interesting to me because I learned a lot just watching that documentary. Obviously, as you said before, it is NBA history as it's pre twenty sixteen, obviously. But I. <laughs> It, it was just very interesting for me to see from a sort of a historical point of view. Like a lot of those players, I, I've heard their names. Obviously, a couple of the famous ones I know I know quite well, but some of the players there, like, like we talked about before, Jamal Tinsley, that's not a name I'm super familiar with. Stephen Jackson, that's not another name I'm super familiar with. It was just interesting wow. to see sort of how the the nba landscape was at the time super duper interesting to watch the style of play as well like as we talked about last episode the play is so much less three-point dominant and it's a lot more of an inside game and the big men having such you know a much bigger emphasis the defensive side of things the cultural impact it was just really interesting to see and sort of broadened my horizons a little bit you could say yeah, definitely. So what went down here was Ron Artest, now Meta Art, what is it, Meta World Peace. He fouled Ben yeah. Wallace super heavily in the fourth quarter. Now, the documentary gave us a little bit more insight into this. It was a it was a dirty foul. Like it but the thing is, as you mentioned Tinsley, Tinsley's come up to Artest and said you know, we're up big now because they were, they dominated that game. There's no denying it. The Pacers had this one in the bag. He's like, we're up big now. You can get that foul in. So I don't know. Do you think that was a premeditated thing? Have they talked about it before or was he just tongue in cheek saying it or whatever? But you sort of, with a guy like Ron Artest, probably not the best to go and say something like that to him because you know he's going to follow suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a concerning thing, actually. I would say it probably was intentional uh, knowing some of the players that were on that team. They were out for blood and, it was interesting hearing Ben Wallace like had lost his brother and there's a bit more to his side of the story as well with all of that but um, there's obviously some bad blood in just between the Pistons and the Pacers from some sort of seasons gone past which is a huge thing as well that all factored into it like this is sort of what opened my eyes up as part of the untold sort of episode there was that there was so much that went into this it wasn't just hey guys we're, we're frustrated with this we're just going to have a bit of a punch on there was so much more that played into it all but you know it's, it's fascinating it was a very physical game as you would have seen there the, the Pacers sort of got away but um, you know, you got big bodies. You got Rashid on one side, Ben on the other side. Those guys don't back down from a fight. Ron Artest had that bad boy attitude. I don't know. Listening to him on the on the show reminded me so much of Dennis Rodman. You could have closed your eyes and almost thought that was Dennis talking. Like they were almost said they're looking for a fight in a way. That was the league at the time as well. Those mid two thousands were hard years. Like we've spoken about Bruce Bowen on the show before. He was about as dirty as they come for an excellent defensive player. It was just the way the league was, and it was just about to bubble over. And, of course, David Stern had his sort of thoughts on it as well. And 
I just, I'd say I put it down to a dirty play, just about an Eddie. It was a, um, it was a concerning event at the time, and obviously put all the pressure on the NBA to come out and suspend the players. Which is, of course, in the documentary they were talking about. Well, hey, what about the fans? Like the fans are the ones that really sort of instigated the fight. So it was fascinating to see both sides of it. But um, definitely a not, not something you'd see happen these days. I wouldn't have thought, but yeah, very interesting take. You're not jumping the stands, man, and it's very interesting that you say about Dennis Rodman because one of my notes was our test to me is like. A less likable version of Dennis Rodman for sure. But funnily enough, like when this all went down and they and you're talking about the fans and whatnot, one of my notes also was like all things aside, the guy was an idiot to throw something in, but that mm. was an amazing shot. Like he's like our test is gone, he's laid down on the scorer's bench. This guy's like 10 rows back and he's just throwing his drink and it's landed right on him. I'm like, man, I couldn't do I don't think he could have done that again if he tried. 15 times over so this thing was just sort of meant to go down and did you see the other fan this was crazy to me just a short little fat dude has Mm. sort of as our test is going off the court he sort of stood in front of him didn't flinch i'm like are you insane ron artest would have bent that guy in two but hats off to that pistons guy because he didn't even look worried it was it was just an intense situation and just wow i'm baffled watched it twice and still just baffled instead everything that happens yeah i actually hear the um the mlb actually tried to hire the man who threw the drink after because they said it was such a good throw <laughs> yeah what was his name what was his name again john john green was it yeah, yeah john green was the man who threw the beer he actually had a quote later he actually said i just regret not putting my foot out sooner and tripping him over yeah, in regards was- to ron Artest. That's very, just very crazy. Oh, that he man was, was he was a dirty man. man. He didn't care either. He did not care. That was, know, but you got to say, that was no remorse. Oh, Sorry, it, it was a beautiful throw me. though, wasn't it? Nah, yeah, mate, it's all, right. it's all right. It was a beautiful it, throw. <laughs> it was. It was spot on the money. This this stuff was meant to happen. I, I do get very passionate about it. But like you also mentioned there, John, and this is something I didn't know and I only found out through the documentary is about the passing of Ben Wallace's brother. So he's not in a in a great headspace, is he? Like, and he went on, he played and, you know, like the smallest yeah. thing is going to set him off. So if you're going to get hit by like a guy out there putting on a flagrant foul on purpose, you know, like these sort of things all add up and put together. But I was also reading comments from Larry Brown, the coach of the Pistons at the time. He said, oh, it was no different to any other fight sort of thing. Like it's just, you know, they thought it was just going to get pulled away and it was all over. It was the way that Artest sort of carried on afterwards. Like, you know, like why on earth did he go and lie down on the scorer's bench like that? It was like one of the most bizarre, weirdest things I've seen in a minute. And yeah, that like- really got under their skin. Even Reggie said, like, you know, these scuffles happen all the time, and they then they still do. Like, it's there's not really much. You say it stays on the court. You kind of move on, but it, it was the I think what Ben sort of said was it was you know the timing. You don't th- you don't give away fouls like that in a game at the in the fourth quarter when they're down by or they're up by so much. You just don't give away those fouls. But then obviously that's why they had the slow mo of that drink coming down, and as soon as that landed on Ron, it was over. It was done, and of course you know there's a lot of tension built up, and it was just those. those Paces players obviously just had enough and it just let loose. And it was interesting they mentioned that if Jamal, uh, sorry, Jermaine O'Neal didn't slip when he wound up to hit one of those those fans that he probably would have killed him. Like, it's scary to think that 
what could have been. Uh, it, it's a it's a terrifying thought, and it's it's a dark day on NBA history, but. It's obviously a pretty important one in, in a funny way as well. And, and Eddie, we were talking off air about what could have been for the Indiana Pacers if that didn't happen, uh, of course, in an Easter conference where the, the Pistons went on to win. But I think the Pacers ended up finishing about seventh that year. I think they were fairly low down. Obviously, Ron Artest was out for the season. Jackson missed quite a bit. Uh, O'Neill missed yeah. quite a bit as well. It would have been fascinating to see if they had have come head-to-head in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and this sort of brought us head-to-head, Johnny, a little bit too because my biggest gripe with the whole documentary was is they're saying it was just guaranteed that the Pacers were going to win it. Like, that's how I, I watched it. This Malice in the Palace hadn't have happened. Guaranteed Pacers are through. Reggie gets his ring. And I would have loved to have seen Reggie get a ring. Another thing I should note, Traith, I'm a massive Reggie Miller fan. I think he's fantastic. So I'm not like 100% okay. biased on the Pistons here. But that Pistons team of 0405, they were legit. You take into the things about Ben Wallace's brother and all that sort of stuff, they were off their game. It was only one game of hoop. You're not going to write off the Pistons who were so good after one game reigning champions at the time as well and that's what sort of bothered me about the documentary it's like oh you know if this hadn't have happened the Pacers were guaranteed to win it I don't think so <laughs> yeah like it would have yeah. been a good series yeah and I just want to make one because obviously said earlier he didn't know who Jamal Tinsley was and if they had won that championship well he might be more of a household name mm. yes indeed what were you going to say Trath I was going to say, Ned, adding on to the fact about the documentary sort of revolving around Indiana and sort of what could have been, Detroit at the time, I think people forget the 2004-2005 Detroit Pistons are one of the best defensive squads ever. Like one of the things that they constantly talk about during the documentary was how good the, the Indiana Pacers were as a defensive team. Like there was a quote at the very start and I can't remember who said it. Yeah, Reggie said, we had the two best defenders in the league at the time with the best perimeter defender being Ron Artest and the best interior defender being Jermaine O'Neal. And I think, Ned, you might have something to say about that, about Jermaine O'Neal being better than Big Ben Wallace. Like, it's just interesting to see sort of how each team thought of themselves. Because personally, like, I know a lot more about the Detroit team than I do the Indiana team. But the way the Indiana sort of saw themselves was almost like the underdog yeah, it's just interesting. It's interesting the way they portrayed it, as you said. Yeah, no, you make some very good points right there. It was just, yeah, they did. They they scouted well. They they picked up some good players in the offseason with Jackson and that sort of thing there. And I, I agree. They just rode off the Pistons. And another thing that just comes to mind as we're talking about this, do you love it how the Detroit Pistons, like every time they pop up in something, it always seems to be something negative. You know what I mean? It's like the malice in the palace, the 89-90 bad boys. It's like they have probably the most hated team in the league. I love that. <laughs> Personally, I love it. It's us against them sort of mentality. But um, it's just one of those NBA what could have been stories. Like, yeah. I still think the Detroit Pistons were the best team in the East and in the NBA that season. No doubt about it. Like, they could defend. They could score. Probably one of the most equal and solid starting fives in terms of their roles you'd see in a long time. But I think the Pacers would have met, uh, matched them quite well. Like, Jermaine O'Neal was obviously a great interior defender and scorer as well. Reggie Miller, one of the best shooters in history. Uh, Artest and Jackson on the wings as well. They're good scorers. Like, don't forget... I was a big fan of Ron Artest at the time. I loved the bad boys. <laughs> it was fantastic in his last season in Chicago. And he could have... And 
look at what happened to his legacy. You know, I know he got his ring in 2010 with the Lakers, but, you know, that really sort of scarred his legacy. Uh, it, it, he could have been anything, could have been one of the best, you know, up there with the best of all time, just about if uh, these things don't happen and following through his career, we see it in all sorts of sports. But it just would have been a fascinating series if they could have, if they faced each other in the Eastern Conference Finals that year. It would have been a bit on the line, of course, given what yeah. happened in November. It would have been, it would have been on. And it, look, who knows? It could have rewritten the, the course of NBA history, but I do still feel like the Detroit Pistons were the best side coming through and just had that momentum and the perfect starting five and the depth as well, mind you. But I, I don't know. Like, it's fascinating for the Pacers what could have been because that was probably their best chance they've had in a long time to, to get another ring. So, yeah, it's just one of those uh, who knows what could have happened. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think it was fantastic how you wrote everything out there. Good to see Ron Artest owned it too. I didn't actually realize that he owned it in, like, when he won the chip. He actually, like, after the game, do you see that? Like he's there, like, yeah, I should have mm. been playing with Indiana because he really did play the role of a coward and just took off and never spoke to anyone sort of after that. But when he won the chip, he said, you know, I should have won it with Indiana, et cetera, et cetera. So it was nice to see that he, you know, he put his hand up in the end there. Yeah, it definitely was. I think um, because he said I should have been winning it with Jermaine and, and Reggie or whatever he said as well. And I think obviously yep. he went on that path of he found the Buddhist faith, I believe, and that's why he changed his name and went down all of that. So he obviously had that moment in life where he possibly regretted the decisions of, of that particular season. And, and I, I assume he wouldn't have even done the documentary if he didn't have that moment either. So fascinating to see. And, and you know, you're happy for a player like that to, to finally get a ring after what could have been. And imagine the regret he would have had afterwards. But yeah, it was fascinating to see that he accepted it. And, and interesting to see he, he spoke fairly well. But like, let's just throw it back to Ron Artest at the time. Like, he was a bit of a bad boy of the NBA. You talk to Dennis Rodman's and whatnot. He was yeah. more concerned about his rap album coming out like that was hilarious <laughs> yeah. I actually remember that dropping like back in the day again you know scrolling through these forums like it's just fascinating that again what could have been with Ron Artest he was a great player great defender just had that bad boy attitude and uh, you know you look at Dennis Rodman sim- similar in a, in a sense he's got his three rings or whatnot and um, and Artest finally got his one but yeah I don't know like the Ron Artest story I think is a really fascinating one and would be one I'd watch a documentary on just alone it's probably yeah. coming soon to Netflix right there, John. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> it was very interesting to see how Ron Artest actually said he suffered from all these sort of things like anxiety and a little bit of depression. And then, you know, how at the end he said, how he asked to get traded at the end of that season, just because he couldn't handle like the situation, just the scrutiny of the situation, the way he felt like he let them down. Yeah, it was just it was very interesting to see. He's a very interesting character, very... Obviously, a very conflict, like a complicated person. He's obviously got a lot of ideals which lied outside of basketball at the time. Like I did not know that that he ever did rap. Like that was that was really cool for me to hear. <laughs> I, it, it sounds a bit more like modern day, you know, all the the some of the current day basketball players like like Damian Lillard and Lonzo Ball getting into their rap careers and stuff. But yeah, it was it's so interesting to see how different times have different sort of focuses and and different sort of emphasis on on certain things and yeah very interesting actually now that i come to think of it i don't even think i have heard the ron artest rap album john you would have been all over that i remember the shack one back in the day that was funny what was the ron artest could he Uh, rap 
remember it. No, not really. <laughs> not really. It was a really weird trend where a few of them had a go at a rap career back then. But just the fact mm. that he was more concerned about his rap career, it's like, come on, dude. Like, you're on a team that's going for a, you know, for a championship just about what the heck are you doing? Especially after he kind of left Chicago and, and it was on his career was traje- trajectoring the right way, whatever the word is. And, uh, and he was looking like he could be one of those next, you know, sort of almost uh, small forward playing tall or playing big. He can defend. He could, he could score. Don't forget. It's just, uh, yeah, yeah I, I know. I, 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 like I said earlier, I'm a huge fan of Ron Artest. And I think his story is just very interesting. And, and again, a, a big of like what could have been. And who knows if they had have made the finals, maybe they'd go around a few more times and they could have eventually got that ring with a few extra role players in there. Like you, you look at the roster and you've got like Jeff Foster was like their starting uh, power forward center and like a lot of names that like Austin Crochet and all these guys, you wouldn't even know who they are. Who knows what could have been. They may have won that one championship and like, you know, um, Look, Rip Hamilton with the with the, uh, the Pistons and, and Tayshawn Prince—they're all champions now, and their names are, are you know written in NBA history. But a lot of these guys will just be forgotten. Yeah, it's very, very sad. And I, I don't think there's too much more to sort of touch on when it comes to the malice at the palace sort of thing. And unless you guys want to jump in right there, it's a great documentary. Definitely worth checking out. The inner and pace as well. Time will, you'll never know like what would have happened there as you sort of touched on. Uh, very sad for Reggie Miller. And when he was doing his, you know, farewell speech and that, I like, like I said, big fan of Reggie. It was sad for me as well. Uh, but I don't think there's too much more to talk about on that, except Stephen Jackson, man. He's loose cannon. That was one thing that I did take from that. He didn't uh, care. Craith uh, could take him, I reckon. I couldn't. Oh, I think I'm about seven foot too short, to be honest, to take any of those players. But that's all right. Yeah. All right. Well, I was going to say one thing I would add is I would recommend any listeners or watchers who are similar in age to myself to, to have a listen, have a watch, go watch that documentary. It's very interesting, very sort of enlightening to see how the era has changed, how players were back then it sort of gives you an insight into a bit more of the players and who they are and yeah very interesting it just taught me a lot and showed me a lot more about jermaine o'neill reggie miller players which i'm I'm definitely aware of but before that i didn't really know who they were as people and it was it was very interesting so i definitely go check that out to any of our listeners who yeah are, are a bit younger and don't know about sort of early 2000s basketball just legends of the game just before we move on there, like Jermaine O'Neal, Traith, is he as a as someone who was you know born in two thousand? Is he a name that you associate with as a as a, one of the best NBA big men through that period, or is it only because of this documentary that you sort of know who he is in a sense? Well, my experience with Jermaine O'Neal is not related to Melison Palace at all. I don't, when I think of Jermaine O'Neal, I do not think of Jermaine O'Neal in the echelon of like my top ten, even really like top twenty big men that I know in the yeah. NBA. What I re- yeah, just what I've always sort of known about Jermaine O'Neal was sort of from the history of the Indiana Pacers, just him as a big man in the Indiana Pacers, sort of as a whole. Like I, he was definitely he's definitely one of, the, if not the best Indiana Pacers big man of all time. That's sort of the reason why I know him. But aside yeah. from that, like I don't statistically, I know he's a good inside. I know he's a good um, interior defender. I know he was a good interior scorer, but I didn't know like sort of what he was. I didn't realize he came into that team and became like almost a leader of that team, like from a very young age, which was interesting to see and just his impact. And he's sort of a big what if sort of Mm. 
player as well. Like if, if let's say hypothetically, Indiana had have gone on to win that championship. Ned, I'm not saying they would have beat Detroit, by the way. Just just would have been interesting. <laughs> his, his career could have gone so differently. If they had kept that core together, like you think about it, Reggie Miller going on to win a ring, Jermaine, that defensive group, and just his legacy as a whole, adding a ring, obviously it makes a big difference. A lot of players, either it either makes or breaks their career. Like if Jermaine had won a ring, I'm not I'm not sure if he is or no. isn't, but I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame, is he? No, and, and that's sort of the thing I was going to bring up, and, and we can definitely confirm that. I'm sure he's not because you had a ring to that because yeah. he went to Miami after they won it with Shaq and Wade. He was too late or too early with Golden State. Like, you had a ring yeah. to a guy like that. Like, we're talking about a guy who was a dominant big man in the mid-2000s. Like, you've got names like Amari Stoudemire, these sorts of guys that are kind of drifted off into, you know, Zach Randolph even a bit later on. Like, guys that just never got it done. But I honestly think Jermaine O'Neal's name could have been right up there if you had a ring or two into his career. He was dominant through that mid-2000s where the game was really suited to these interior scorers. Like Tim Duncan changed the league for that sort of power forward center in terms of inside scoring. And Jermaine O'Neal was a beast, an absolute beast. But a lot of people around your age, Traith, when the 2016's old school NBA, just like the name wouldn't even be familiar to them. So I just think it's a fascinating piece of history. Like, you know, a guy like Ben Wallace, Ned, is probably very similar. Like a guy who won Defensive Player of the Year awards as a six foot nine center in a you know, time in the league where, again, like big men were kind of dominating, like Yao Ming was in there, Shaq, all that sort of stuff. Like, it's just a fascinating product of, of where the league was at the time. And I think that documentary, as Trace sort of pointed out, really sort of signifies that and shows our, that sort of time in the league. So it's fascinating to talk about. And I was just going to say another fascinating point would have been is what if social media played a big part back in these days as well? Like you would have had a more behind the scenes look into the lives of these guys. Like you don't know what's happening in the even meta world. Peace would have had all sorts of breakdowns online and that sort of thing. So it's it was a lot more sort of there's a lot more mystery around things back there with in in the good olden days pre 2016 yeah. trace. <laughs> Yeah, well, it is quite interesting the way the whole situation was fleshed out to be. David Stern was making it out to be the player's fault when in reality it was probably more so the fan's fault, the fan slash fans in general. And if social media was around back then, you imagine that that narrative probably would have been a lot different. Like you can imagine that cup getting thrown probably would have been filmed somewhere on someone's phone and they would have got straight down to it and found John Green and, yeah. and just the whole... The way the players would have been perceived would have been completely different. Like, I know the term thug was thrown around a lot. Like, that might have not been as much of a... I don't, I don't know if you want to say colloquial term used for the players as much because, you know, it would have been immediately evident what the problem was, who caused it, so on and so forth. And just quickly, onto the topic of... Back on the topic of Jermaine O'Neal quickly. I did not realize Jermaine O'Neal was a six-time All-Star. In his peak, he was averaging... Here we go. 24, 9, 2 blocks, almost a steal, 4 assists. Like that's that is that is excellent. Like that is that is you know, all-star starter, all NBA team caliber. And if he had to continue that for his career, and you think if he had have stayed on Indiana and they had have won those that championship or even gone deeper into those runs, he probably would have had more all NBA teams, more all-star teams, more recognition. And yeah, he probably he probably would be in that Hall of Fame conversation more so anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, very well said right there. Now, speaking of Hall of Fame, one guy that might make it, Trace Leffler, 
No, I'm, I'm playing. Ah, that's really right. Yeah. We're, we're, we're switching things up here. <laughs> you, what you meant to up. say, what you meant to say, Ned, was Ben Simmons who's going to make the Hall of Fame. That's exactly right. Keep going. Oh, there's a bold call right there. The way he's going, man. He's like I read just yesterday that he will sit out the entire NBA season rather than play for Philadelphia. Did you guys see that? I did. I did see that. I have a very bold prediction. I believe Ben Simmons is going to get traded, I think, somewhere before the All-Star, like somewhere just before the All-Star break. I think there's going to be some team. I could see maybe like Orlando or Sacramento, like way underachieving. And I could see them going, all right, we're going to go all in. We're going to trade for Ben Simmons and make him our starter. And I like, and, and, you know, center the team around him and his playing style, playing very much that Giannis type role. I think when that happens, or if that does happen, Ben's going to go on to average like 22, 9 and 9. I think he's going to go on. I think he's going to actually expand his mid-range game. Like if you, I was listening to a um, a recent clip on the Ringer NBA show. That's the one I listen to in my spare time. And they were saying some sources have said that, okay, sources being Jaron Jackson Jr., who's been training with Ben Simmons over the summer, Jaron was asked if it's just in those, you know, those Instagram clips if Ben's actually taking those shots, because you know how Ben releases those yeah. those sort of videos every summer where he's shooting from three and shooting from mid range and can't miss. And apparently Jaron Jackson, who's been playing with him the whole time, has said, yeah, he's actually taking those shots. He's actually he's actually attempting the mid range three point shots a lot. Like he's still a very he's still playing inside, but he is actually attempting them, and it is against NBA talent. Like and Jaron Jackson Jr. is an excellent defender, so yeah, there you go. I have he's a lot of hope for my man. Kings to the uh, to the playoffs. That would be amazing. I think Sacramento's missed the playoffs for like not. They haven't been since the Mike Bibby days, have they? Oh, I think you're right. And I love Sacramento. So, man, I would love to. They're the teams that John and I love, like those low market teams sort of thing. Sacramento Kings. I'll jump on Ben Simmons' bandwagon if he goes and plays there, man. And already let's love go, the Magic. But yeah, no, love it, man. Love it. But let's switch things up. We talked about this on episode one of Talking Hoops. We want to talk about LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. Traith, you're a big LeBron James guy. I guess it comes down to an age sort of thing. John and I grew up on Michael Jordan and that's coming from a Pistons fan right there too. Much like we were talking about before with the Pacers, it's very well known that the Pistons and the Bulls are not so friendly and definitely Michael Jordan and the Pistons, not so friendly, but I'm still, I still have love for Michael Jordan. The documentary's out, it's done, but we're not talking about that. We are talking about who is better? Who is the ghost, I guess, John? And this is part one, right? Yeah, I think we have to label this part one because I feel like it could be a bit of an ongoing discussion and we'll get the uh, we'll get the um, the followers to sort of weigh in a little bit on this as well and, and get some opinions and some thoughts and some and maybe a bit of research we can go ahead and do. But look, we spoke about this a little bit last year, Eddie, especially around the time that The Last Dance did come out about how it's sort of clear-cut that MJ is the goat, like in my opinion, and I think you're the same, Nettie, and trades here to sort of change our mind and a lot of people, depending on when you grew up, that's probably the big thing like don't forget that lebron james has grown up in the social media era where he's got what 90 million instagram fans are all in the back pocket with him kind of on the journey in a sense like it's a different era which is why the goat argument is a very tricky one you could throw your kobe bryant's and kareem and throw plenty of them in there but i think the consensus is you're looking at lebron versus mj and we want to have a bit of a discussion about where we sit on that topic but um it's going to be one i think that'll follow us through for a little while 
Yeah, and it might go down to the fact of it's when you sort of grew up and whatever, and like, Trath, this is like pre-Trath even being born when MJ was in his prime, which is crazy to think. When I asked the young man, did you check out the new Space Jam? And he's like, I haven't even... Did you say you didn't see the first Space Jam or you didn't like it? Like, to me, that is one of the greatest films of all uh, time. Yeah. And it also bothers me, like, what? Like... LeBron is an excellent player. I really, I rate, he's very, very good. Like, very, very good. But why does he have to go out and do Space Jam, man? Like, it's like, I don't know. Like, couldn't he start his own thing? It could be like moon landing or something, jam or something. Like, change it up a little bit, man. It's like he follows everything that, you know, Jordan does. Yeah, look, in regards to Space Jam, I haven't seen the first Space Jam in probably like 10 years myself now, so just from memory I, I watched it when i was very young so i i can't actually remember all of it that much and i haven't seen the new space jam either which i do need to i need to watch i need to watch to see how you know see if that changes the lebron versus mj debate <laughs> who makes better movies you know i'm i'm really glad you guys talked about sort of where you grew up and who you watched because i think that is such a pivotal important point when you're discussing these things like you ask a lot of the old heads and when i mean old heads i mean yes ned even older than you mate it is possible um but you asked back then but the original goat debate was you know bill russell and wilt chamberlain and then even sort of after that it was it was your your kareems as you mentioned before fitzy and you know then it was then it was jordan who came in and now it's sort of lebron and then we're sort of waiting for that next era of that real generational talent who's changing it, which I think it's either going to be Luca or Giannis, which I'm sure we'll have in a future discussion. But yes. it's just, yeah, settling. I think what you said, all the debate, like the GOAT as really depends on what that criteria is. I often phrase it rather than say the GOAT, I think the greatest versus the best. Now, in my opinion, LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time. When I say best, I mean his his total package that he brings to the game, his ability to score, his ability to play make, his defense, his rebounding, his IQ, and his total ability to have a have a winning impact and change the way the game is played. And that's something that I've grown up with. Well, I've I, I've actually only really seen LeBron playing live in the latter half of his career, like 2016 and onwards. So even I'm even I'm fresh to the LeBron sort of years because I I forget LeBron's in like he's like. I, what's he in like his 19th year or something 18th 19th year he's really something crazy like place. that uh, i don't know if that's possible but uh, yeah. yeah no <laughs> it's just interesting because look personally in my, like in my opinion i do believe lebron james is a better basketball player than michael jordan whoa. that is my opinion whoa man it's just so crazy hearing it I, like that you know what I'm just going to throw in there that I can see what you're saying. I can see that, and that's often a talk. Like you look at LeBron, well, he averages, if you just look at his averages, he averages more assists, more rebounds, you know, like he's a bigger body too, 6'8", 6'9", versus 6'6", as well. But one thing you said in there, Trey, that I probably disagree with is the winning attitude. Like that, that is Michael Jordan's brand throughout. He's an, super aggressive. It's win at all costs, win or get lost, basically attitude where we did say, and one really good point I read last year when we were talking about this was LeBron wants to be liked and MJ wanted to be feared. He wanted to be yeah. the number one and it was regardless of whatever. Now you look at some of those, if you sort of break down the stats, you know, like we're looking at like Michael Jordan, we know that the you can't just look at the championships. Otherwise, you know, it'd be a whole different argument. But you're talking about a guy that went to the final six times, 
He never went to a game seven. Six-time finals MVP. If we're talking about winning, he's the man, right? LeBron's been to 10. He's won four. He's been swept in two. All right, we're talking about winning NBA championships. We're talking about a winning attitude. I don't think LeBron gets close to Michael Jordan when we're talking about that topic. Okay, interesting. I would, I would <laughs> rebut. No, no, no. Very interesting. I, I love this. No, I, love I love this. this. I love this. The so is, is the goat is the goat determined by the most winningest player of all time? Would that not mean Bill Russell is the best because well, he's been to a le- sorry. If- if we're talking winning attitude, which is the point that you made, not just wins yep. and losses, it's the winning attitude. It's when the, when it's clutch time, when it's time to win, Michael Jordan puts the team on the back and gets them across the line regardless. And even if you look at his supporting cast with the first three, Pete, like I wrote down a couple of names here and it's like, you know, we're not even talking about like LeBron couldn't get it done in Cleveland. He got swept in 07 or whatever. Uh, he has to go to Miami. The one thing I will say is that LeBron's efforts in the, uh, the 15 uh, when they were down 3-1 against the Warriors to bring back oh, was yeah. probably the best playoff performance of all time and it's not even close. That was insane. Yeah. But you 100% look at- agree, man. I've got to jump in there because I said the exact same thing. That when Daly was on the team at Cleveland, LeBron strapped that team to his back and he that was the most impressive I've ever seen him and bam, 100% agree. Do that another five times and I'm on the LeBron bandwagon. <laughs> Might be a bit late in the career for that, but it yeah, is LeBron. He's a, he, he has defied father time now for the last hate. couple of years. So, yeah. Look, it's super duper interesting, Fitzy, because obviously I never watched Jordan. I don't, I, I was never there to sort of see that, that fear factor. It's interesting that you said LeBron wants to be liked, Jordan wants to be feared. And that is that is a really interesting, interesting topic. Like, because then that brings into the debate, like Kobe is is Kobe better than Jordan? So not Jordan, um, LeBron. I know that was a debate for a while. And I would also say LeBron is better than Kobe. I don't know if you guys agree, disagree on that debate, but it it is interesting. Watching the documentary The Last Dance was very sort of enlightening for me to see that like Jordan's attitude on everything not just basketball but on life in general just winning like even like betting even just like like I read that he would he was gonna do golf against I think it was Tiger Woods but he didn't want to lose and it was the only reason that he didn't play the game was because that was the (laughs) one thing he didn't think he could win so he wouldn't play a game of golf against Tiger Woods which was interesting that's funny if that was the case, yeah. I'd just never take part in anything. Well, I'm not going to win that. <laughs> it's, point. Uh, it's very funny there. And the Kobe Bryant thing is a very interesting topic too there, Left, Like, I don't know, man. Like, I always put down MJ as the best. I, I Kobe Bryant, I grew up watching him as well. And, man, he was so, so damn good. His legacy will be one to... Man, it's just, it has me thinking like Kobe Bryant's right up there as well. But again, you're talking about Bill Russell and these guys from the, from yesteryear. That's like Jordan to you, I guess, for John and I. And <laughs> don't know about as much of them because I didn't sort of grow up watching them. You know what I'm saying? Mm, definitely. Definitely. It's interesting. Yeah, well, on the Kobe topic, because, like, I guess if you even look at the generation gap here, like, Ned probably grew up more with MJ. I was sort of at the end of MJ, the start of Kobe. You know, I was more Kobe. Probably that's a late 2000s era. And Trey's kind of all LeBron James. But you've got to factor in, like, Kobe is in that conversation. Like, if you're talking your top, obviously, 10, top five, you'd argue that he's in there as well. But I think Mm -hmm. that the the difference really goes back down to, I, I just think that MJ's tenacity to win at all costs, if you're talking about the greatest player, 
I think that's got to factor in. And I just look going to the social media side of things. Like I don't think you would have seen MJ on Instagram doing taco Tuesdays and appearing in all these different movies and like carrying on like that. Like that's just not his brand. And that's why I think that like LeBron's obviously a very likable sort of guy. Like you feel like you go to go out for dinner with him or have a drink or whatever. And you get along with him quite well. Cause that's his brand as well. But MJ's was just, I mean, it was a different era in basketball as well. Like obviously Ned, we've already spoken about the bad boy Pistons in the late eighties. Um, it's a different different game. That's another thing that factors into it, how the game's changed over the years. And that's why, you know, Kareem's up there during his time and, and, and whatnot when the big guys were dominating, that sort of thing. So yeah. I, I just, I, I, I want to see, Trath, a few, when we're talking the greatest player, that's the debate. What, what's your thoughts on LeBron? Like, how can you tell Ned and I that LeBron's better than Michael in the greatest of all time debate? Okay, so this brings up what I, I talked about before. Greatest versus best. If you want to... It's very, it is very hard to argue against Jordan. Jordan has such a complete legacy, statistically, um, accolades wise, off the court. Like off the court, it's not really a debate. Jordan has probably had the the biggest impact on basketball, maybe aside from the Johnson or Magic Johnson, Larry Bird sort of rivalry. But like, I can't really debate there. It's more got to come down to LeBron's longevity sort of sake and what as a one man sort of as a single basketball player what he can do versus Jordan if it comes to accolades obviously Jordan's got six he's six and oh I think LeBron's now four and six in the finals so you can't debate there Jordan's got an extra an extra MVP an extra finals MVP he's got that defensive player of the year whereas LeBron doesn't yeah but I think I sometimes think context has context has to come into it as well. I do all think people, case. yeah. Well, that's that's what it's all about, though. That's how you can have hmm. these debates because, as you said before, Fitzy and Ned, the game is different to what it used to be. Hmm. LeBron and and Jordan have different roles in their teams. Jordan's role on his team is to be he's the go-to guy every time, no matter what. LeBron, he is still the go-to guy, but LeBron is more of a facilitator, more of a playmaker. He's in his mindset, it's more, I'm going to make the right play versus Jordan was, I'm going to make the play. And I think that's where sometimes the fundamental difference, like the fundamental differences come in. If I had to sort of persuade you guys to the LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan, I would look at the totality of their career. LeBron has been playing for almost, what do we say, 17 years or something like that. He's been playing for a long time. LeBron has arguably had the longest peak of any player ever. His peak, you could argue, is from the early 2000s all the way through to even currently. He's gone through different phases, but he's still always been regarded as the best player in the league or even now, you know, arguably top three. And I think that's something that MJ never did. MJ's peak was obviously right up the top. Like you can't argue that MJ's peak is is one of the best, if not the best. But I think that when it comes to LeBron, the one thing he's done that MJ's never done is he's continuously, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter where he goes, he has always bought winning. He's the only player in NBA history to bring three championships to three separate teams and be the finals MVP on all three of those teams. He, like statistically, 27-7-7 for your career is crazy. If you look at some of the advanced statistics, I brought some of this up before. Just give me a second. When it comes to the advanced statistics, 
there's something called VORP or value over replacement. That basically means if you put that player on a team, how many sort of, how much do they impact winning? Well, LeBron is number one in that statistic at 137.3. Now, Michael Jordan is still very, very high. He sits in the top five. For context, he is 116 value over replacement versus LeBron's 136. That shows you that adding LeBron James to a team, the value that he adds to a team and on winning in total is much, much greater than Jordan. You could debate the team side of things. I also, I think personally, the only reason Jordan did go 6-0 in the finals is because he did have the best team. That'd be like saying, uh, it'd be like putting LeBron, replacing LeBron with Durant with those Golden State teams and having them for six years straight. That's my opinion that you can make the case that that Bulls team is the greatest team of all time. LeBron has never featured on a team which is the greatest of all time. The Miami Heat team was good, but they didn't. You know, you could argue Chris Bosh wasn't in his prime. Dwayne Wade at that point, his knees are giving out. And I just think the totality of their careers and sort of that, just the magnitude in general. Look, I'm not taking away from Jordan. Jordan arguably is the GOAT. I'm not taking away from that. In my opinion, LeBron is my GOAT because I have seen him and everything that he's done throughout his career. But um, yeah, just that's just my thoughts. Yeah, well, here's the rebuttal to that point. I agree with you there that like Le- LeBron's been one of what, like it, it, the, the, the wording there was one of the best players in the league every, every season he's played. But let's flip the script on MJ being the best player in the league every season that he played. He played 13 seasons, two with Washington, which, I mean, let's not really worry about those. One, he was out injured with that foot injury. So that's basically 10 seasons that he played, including the one that he came back uh, after his sort of baseball stint and played the 40, 50 games or whatever it was. 10-time first team. So every season he played, it was NBA first team. That's including then six championships, five MVPs, six finals MVPs, nine defensive player, all NBA selections and a defensive player. Like we're talking about a guy, LeBron's been amongst the best players in the league, obviously the best at times. MJ was the best player in the league every season that he played. That's the difference I feel when we're talking about the two of the guys. Wow. Okay. Trace, Interesting. We'll, we'll yeah. back to you there. I see the screen lighting up. I see it lighting up. All right, man. <laughs> well, well, actually, the screen was lighting up because it cut out for a second there, but I, I think I got all that. So, interesting. Again, this is where it comes in versus peak versus longevity. I agree. Jordan, every year that he was in, we'll say his prime, let's not include the Washington days, as you said, because that was, that was a different sort of Jordan. He was sort of more of just a an all-star caliber versus, you know, the best in the entire league in Chicago. I would argue since I'm going back a little bit early. So if you guys want to correct me here or debate me in this one, but I would say since maybe 2007, 2008, LeBron has been the best all the way through till 2019, I would say, 2018, 2019. That is also a 10-year span. I would say that's LeBron's peak peak because before that, you might have you might have been able to say Kobe was better when LeBron was a bit younger. But from that first MVP season of LeBron all the way through to, in, in my opinion, 2018, where I do believe he was better than Curry, better than Durant, better than Kawhi. Um, I, and I don't think that's debatable. You might be able yeah. to debate Durant, but I, that is a 10-year period. In that 10-year period. You're losing me here, Leffler. So you're saying he was the best from 2007 through to 2018. Is that what you just said? Oh, I would say the undisputed number one best player. 
Also, all NBA first team all of those years. Also finished top three in the MVP rating. Or, or hold on, I had it before. Top five anyway. Keep going, keep going, sorry. In the playoffs in 2007. He didn't make the playoffs. He got swept in the NBA finals in 2007. Yeah, you look at that supporting cast though. If that was a team get... which didn't deserve to be in the finals. That He carried that team on his back to make it there. So and if we go for supporting cast... Yeah, well that's well that's the thing. Like let's look at um uh, Jordan's supporting cast of those first three championships. Yes, he had Scotty Pippen, he had Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Bill Paxton, BJ Armstrong. Like, are we saying that that's not as good a supporting cast as Larry Hughes and these guys that that Zadrinus Ilgauskas? It wasn't a slouch team that Cavs side in 07. They just couldn't get it done in the finals. They were a good defense. No, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping a little bit sort of outside my comfort zone debating back then because I'm not as familiar with some of these players. So <laughs> well, this will be... Have, have the evidence, then you shouldn't debate MJ versus LeBron. Oh, <laughs> oh. okay, okay. I will say, and I don't... Are you going to tell me that the LeBron James team in 07, 08 was better or comparable to the first three championship teams Jordan had? I'd say that they probably shouldn't have been swept in the finals. Okay, okay. Even considering even considering the circumstances, who they that's were a, playing. That's irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, you, you believe the competition's irrelevant, who they're versing? Not in a sense that if you're you're the best player of all time in LeBron James and your team gets swept in the finals, regardless of who your supporting cast is, like no one's relying up to get Horace Grant's documentary on DVD. I think the supporting cast plays a role into it. But if you're I the greatest... Bill Cartwright's though. Yeah, Bill Cartwright's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> get him on, um, on Cameo. You know those where you pay them 10 bucks and they do a video? Like Bill Cartwright's pretty cool. But if we're talking supporting cast in the greatest of all time argument, I think you're not getting swept in the finals if you're Michael Jordan on that particular Cavs side. That's just not going to happen because of that tenacity just to win at all costs. Okay, Damn interesting. Right. I tell yeah. you what, another thing that come out of that documentary too, The Last Dance is, and is I don't think I really even liked Michael Jordan like as a person. <laughs> no, I don't really either. I, I didn't like him. Like I'm going to straight out say that, Trace. I did not like Michael Jordan as a person. I'm like, man, you seem like a, a nasty man. Like, I don't think I'd want to hang out with him. Like, seriously, like, he he was just on another level. Like, even, like, making up that that guy said something about him just to light a fire in him. So, yeah, no chance he's getting sweet, swept. Man, like, you'd be there like, oh, yeah, just, I don't Not know. Nah. Okay. Well, I, 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 can, I can listen, but unfortunately, Michael Jordan wasn't on the 07, 08 cast. So we, we'll, never, we'll never know. That's the problem. We'll never know. I believe if you put, I do believe that if you put LeBron on those Bulls teams, though, that they would have the same the same impact. Personally, disagree. Yeah, I disagree. And a different yeah, so different teams. LeBron James would take those teams. No, LeBron, no, can, can, oh man, that's an excellent way. If I've you want to do finals. Like you talk about finals, like LeBron gets swept in that Cavs series. He has to go to Miami to make that finals dream happen with Bosch and Wade. Like, see, the context of all this situation is Ned and I lived through this. We lived through mm. watching, watching, you know, your Pistons get up when they had a team that was built from the ground up, essentially. Then LeBron goes, eh, I'm done. I'm going to take my efforts. So what did he say? To South Beach or whatever. They yeah, made South, South Beach. Beach. Yeah. The, the Celtics did the same thing with their kind of super team. And this is an argument and a conversation that Ned and I all have, have all of the time. Like you talk about you know, this supporting cast that Jordan had that he just about willed across the line on his own to win those championships. LeBron couldn't get it done. So he goes across to Miami to get it done with Wade. And, and like they had a good supporting cast too, like Chalmers and Haslam and all these guys. It was a oh, great. Yeah. So a lot of good veterans on that team too, mind you. 
that series, like I said earlier, 2015, is the best performance I've ever seen from an athlete across any sport ever. When LeBron got the Cavs back from 3-1 down against the Warriors and won, yeah. that was insane. And then obviously there's the Lakers championship he won in 2020, which we spoke about last week. So they, they yeah. don't stack up to me compared to what MJ did, those two three-peats. And I, I think True. finals time, we're purely talking finals, I just don't think that argument's even close. Look, it's 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 very interesting. Like, I I can't. I wasn't I wasn't even alive at the time. So, if we're going purely from from anecdotal, I can't I can't debate you there. Look, I would I would counter with one, and I think this is probably one of the major MJ sort of statements to use against him. He never even made it out of the first round of the playoffs until he had Scottie Pippen, and even then he had to wait for a mature age Scottie Pippen before he made it through. And that showed that when MJ was the only guy, because let's not act like Scottie Pippen isn't a top 50 player of all time. He's a very, oh, very good man. player. Scottie Pippen's yeah, very the, good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Under, under, Scottie Pippen's probably underrated. Like I think people, when you look at his Portland Trailblazers or when he played with Portland Trailblazers or when he played for the, I think that year without MJ, that he finished in like the top, was it top three in MVP voting? Like he was very good. He was very good. But the point is, LeBron, ne- so not LeBron, um, Jordan never made it out of the first round without Pippen. Whereas, yeah, LeBron, when he never had, when his second best player was arguably Mo Williams or Zydrunas Elgaskis, took a team all the way to the NBA Finals. Now, I'm not debating LeBron has arguably also has the biggest choke job in NBA history if you go to 2011 against the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. That is um, probably the biggest... I can't argue anything there. LeBron very much did choke there. If we want to bring up that, thanks for bringing that um, up. I had forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's... it's great that the guy like repping LeBron brings that up. This has been absolutely fascinating, though. I've just sort of sat back and just taken in from what both of you say. Trey, you, you you raised some very good points there, and I think the longevity of LeBron is something else too. Because I was thinking about it as you're talking. I'm taking all your points, man. We're not just going, not like letting this sink in, sort of thing. How old was Jordan when he was at the Bulls? I mean, at the at the Bulls, at the Wizards, his last two seasons. Oh, 30. Because he, did he take a season or two off and he was 34 or something? I'm not actually too sure off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, and so it's, we're discounting them. So you're talking about the longevity of James. Like, he's definitely doing better in his later life if you want to look at it like that. There's something I'll agree mm-hmm. with you on. Oh, sorry. I was way off. He was 38 and 39 when he came oh, okay. back. And he made all-star sorry, games like those years, which, you know, throw that around mm. if you like but still averaging 20 points a game in his late 30s it's not about it it's not no it's not take like look a, a player of of michael jordan's caliber is always going to be good like even at 40 years age he'd, he'd probably still smoke mm. even at 50 he'd probably still smoke half the nba players in the league right now if he played them one-on-one like i'm not debating that but i just think yeah ned if you look at that whole the whole career arc I do believe the collective work of LeBron James, and I'm not debating accolades, I'm debating collective of his entire career, is greater than Jordan's. And as personally, just as a basketball player, I believe like as a singular basketball player, LeBron James is the better player. You know, everyone's got an opinion, Trace, and like I, I yeah. will not, I, I'm not going to agree, and there's many people that will agree with you right there. But man, 
Wow. And I'll tell you what, though. Here's something I won't agree with you. I don't think Michael Jordan could smoke half of the people in the NBA now, like you said. The way he's drinking that whiskey, bro. I yeah, don't think well, yeah, you're not wrong. Have you seen his eyes? Yeah. Oh, man. His eyes are yellow. Uh, one thing that's interesting, um, just to kind of wrap up the longevity point, is I, I just checked this because obviously MJ started in the league at 21 as well. And don't forget he missed that second season when he had the foot injury. And LeBron yep. started at 19. So if you sort of add it all up, I mean, it's not far off. If you take – if MJ played from 21 to 34 and then those couple extra seasons, like it's not far away in terms of the seasons that they played. Pretty similar, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there yeah, you go. Yeah, true. It's like, yeah, it's I think like the- what you said, though, John, that winning attitude, man, like this – it was just something else. Like you watched the last dance, right? Didn't you left? Like you I did. I watched did. that. It was very interesting. Beat the hell out of that man. They beat the hell out of that man. Did he go, Oh, you know what? I'm going to go jump ship and play for the Los Angeles Lakers. And you know, we'll go yeah. back and grab him. No, hell no, man. He, he, he was back in that gym the next day, bam. And he went back and he, it breaks mm. my heart. Like, you know, like they knocked us out. We didn't shake their hands. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the guy was just a workhorse, like no other. Oh, the the legacy of Michael Jordan. I think, I think now Michael Jordan's legacy is to a point where it's not really, it's not really a legacy. It's more of a legend. Like I don't think you can. It's 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 so interesting when you talk about about MJ because he didn't he wasn't in the league for as long as a lot of these greats. But when he was in the league, he was so good and like just on another level and he's just his legacy, like even off the court, like just the way he dominated the shoe game, you know, yeah. be like Mike, you know, mm. I mean, nowadays it's be like Traith, but before it was originally be <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's a bit yeah. of an inside reference for anyone listening between Ned and myself. But, uh, and I think, I think Fitzy will learn. You might hear that a couple of times, mate. <laughs> that's a great yeah. point wrote a couple of notes down on that topic like you got to look off the court and like jordan again from you know his what rookie career had you know started the jordan brand and still worn to this day like that's just insane if you want to talk about longevity talk about a shoe brand that started in the late 80s mid 80s and mm-hmm. it's still popular to this day obviously mj did like the mcdonald's commercials gatorade like he was all over that kind of stuff he was the face of the nba and he really resurrected it from a fairly sort of dead and boring time through the 80s to really make it almost what the league it is today and they touched on that in the last yeah. dance well the impact he had on the league as a whole being the face of it to drag it out from what it was to being this league full of highly paid superstars with endorsements and shoes and all that kind of stuff like that sort of factors in as well but LeBron also in recent years has kind of been more the case of like the social media, the connection you have with the players, like he's mm. millions of followers on every social media platform doing his taco Tuesdays. Like it's a whole different, I guess a whole different perception in the public. It's, it's a fascinating sort of topic when you look off the court as well, I feel and that's like a whole different, sort of ball game in itself but uh yeah. yeah you can actually draw some comparisons at the time to like these guys have just changed the league in their own sort of eras i tell you what yeah. though this has been a fun fun debate hasn't it there like left hasn't he's you've i feel I like it. it's been it's just been so much fun like you've just thrown at him and he's come back at you with other random stuff and boom 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 i'm not sure who will won who will we give it to fitzy or trace You've got to let us know in the comments yeah. and all that sort of thing. It is talking hoops. <laughs> Who is better, Michael Jordan? Are you with Johnny Fitz? Who I might be, might be, but I'm scared of Trey, so I might be there too because you know, yeah, I don't, I'll, I shouldn't make fun, but yeah, 
LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. Let us know who is better. It is Talking Hoops, John Fitzgerald, Trace Leffler, hashtag be like Trace. You heard it right here. What's LeBron's hashtag, man? Does he have one? Is there a, like, is there a big, Yes, like, he does. What is it? No, he's his hashtag washed king. If you see, oh, he puts that on Twitter all the time. Yeah, he says hashtag washed king. Bro, which I is, haven't even I'm, heard that. And he's, the, he's better than I, a basketball fan, have not even heard that. Have you, John? No, it's new to me. That's new. To me <laughs> okay. Too. Like we're just all well, that's up. But like you know, everyone's heard. Be like Mike. There's another little uh, argument thing there. But anyways, man, be like Trace. Let us know. Talking Hoops podcast on Facebook. Greywolfentertainment.net. Thank you, John. Thank you, Trace. It's been a bunch of fun. Let's hope we don't see each other in person for a while, Trace. I don't want to get beat up. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks very much for having us on. Yeah, it's oh. going to be a fascinating, fascinating argument or a fascinating uh, discussion going forward. So leave some comments and let us know what you think. MJ v LeBron. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. GreyWolfEntertainment.net.